uh, Meeting Jesus. We're kicking off a whole new series starting today that should last a handful of weeks together about different people throughout the Bible and their encounter or their meeting of Jesus. And so, uh, for 10 free high fives, who was the first people to meet Jesus? Mary and Joseph. Good job. Good job, right? You're like, oh, yeah. Um, I guess if you want to say Adam and Eve, that was a very theologically correct uh, statement, I'm sure. But grab your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 1. Really excited. Any of you guys have an embarrassing story? I know Cody asked you guys. No? Um, I just remember what I heard about my father-in-law. Apparently, before I married Rochelle, he bought his wife, my mother-in-law, for Christmas a lawnmower. No joke. <laughs> no, did would you like? Oh my gosh, I love him. She was not happy. Why did I marry you? <laughs> oh man, cool deal. All right, Luke chapter one. Uh, Today, we learn a whole lot about some pretty cool people, Mary and Joseph, and how God used them to begin something completely new, that it was the beginning of a brand new covenant, which means a brand new promise from God or the fulfillment of a promise from God, a new time, uh, and following God became a slightly different um, reality to people. Things that they had been waiting for forever now actually came. The same way you guys are waiting and waiting for Christmas Day to see what's under the tree. People for hundreds and thousands of years have been waiting and waiting and waiting for the Savior to come, and this was it. This was that day. And Mary and Joseph being the first to meet Jesus is where we're going to kind of kick off the whole story. But uh, Luke chapter 1, you guys found it? Yeah, let's pray, okay? We're going to pray, and then we'll start reading and getting through this. But Father, we thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, that in the same way people were excited and anticipated your coming, Lord, with that excitement, we can look back on the fact that you did come and that we too will get to see you face to face one day. That though we have already encountered you through your spirit and the word, Father, that one day we'll get to see you face to face. And so, Lord, we approach our study in the word today with thanksgiving uh, and ask that you would Give us just understanding of more about who you are. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. All right, now for today, uh, there's two things we're going to realize for both Mary and Joseph, two different people, kind of part of the same story, though, uh, went through two massive significant things uh, when they met Jesus, okay? First thing that we're going to find out that they did, uh, that when you meet Jesus, all right, it challenges your life. When people meet Jesus, it challenges their life. Everyone say, challenges your life. Boom. The second thing that happens, right, is it changes your life. Good, bad, or ugly, it changes your life. So it's going to challenge you, and it's going to change you. This is true for Joseph in one way. This is true for Mary in a completely different way, though it's all centered around the same person, Jesus. Luke chapter 1. We're going to read this together. You guys ready? Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. 
And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. Wouldn't you be troubled? Angel shows up. Hey, how are you? What? I don't know. How are you? Troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Verse 30 says, Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and and shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. It means he'd reign over all Israel. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. It's an eternal reign. Then Mary said to the Joseph, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that holy one who is to be born will be called the Son of God. So for Mary, it challenges her, right? This is the first thing that we see. It challenges her. We'll find out in a minute how it challenges Joseph. But it challenges her way of thinking. It challenges her logic, okay? You guys know what logic means? Just what the way that you think through things, how you come to conclusions. So the first thing it changes when you meet Jesus is it changes the way that you think about things. It changes the way that you see things. She's sitting there, look it, I don't understand. This just doesn't make sense. She says, I don't know a man. Like, do you think she just never met a boy before? That's not what she's saying. She's like, I've never met, what is a boy? I've never seen one. She's like, no, Joseph and I have never hung out in a way that could produce anything. We've never uh, kissed. You get it? Okay. That if this is going to happen, it has to be miraculous. This is impossible. And look at with God. Yeah. Nothing's impossible when God's in the midst of it all. This is a whole different experience for Mary, right? If you ask a little kid like, oh, where's Jesus? He's in my heart. You ask Mary, where's Jesus? He's in my womb. Like, this is, what's going on? But it changed and challenged the way that she saw things. It didn't make sense to her at first. How could this be? Nothing's ever taken place. This has to be beyond normal circumstances. And indeed, it was. It was a miracle. The only issue with miracles, guys, is sometimes not everyone will believe that they happened. Sometimes logic is stuck and faith has to step in. That, well, if I can't add one plus one and make it equal two, then God can't do it. I'm sorry. Where is that in the Bible at all? You've seen miracle after miracle. If you guys have heard the stories growing up in church about what Jesus did, multiplying food and healing the blind and the sick and bringing the dead back to life, if you add those kinds of things up, they don't make sense. And so God can go beyond what is quote-unquote normal logic filled in with faith and miraculous power and miraculous things happen. So when you begin to express and your challenge in the way that you think, don't necessarily um, expect everyone else to be able to make sense out of it too. Joseph totally doesn't get it. When Joseph finds out, he doesn't believe her. And so God may do things in your life in the moment where people would question it. They would doubt it. They'd be concerned. They might still care about you, but they'll be concerned. They won't understand. That's okay. So it challenges our logic. Will we truly believe what God has said? The other thing that it will begin to challenge is our love. What do you mean? When you meet Jesus, 
it will challenge the way that you love people. It will challenge so, so, so very much. What would Joseph think? I mean, come on. Ladies, you're engaged to the man of your dreams, strong carpenter, right? Looks good. He knows how to turn those rugged old trees into fancy furniture. And I mean, this is just great. This is going to be wonderful. You've been planning your wedding. And then today you're going to go to lunch and say, Joseph, I'm pregnant and the baby's not yours. This is going to be awesome. And he's going to be like, yeah, sure, no problem. It truly will. Loving Jesus will challenge how you love people. In fact, sometimes you have to choose between the two. And Mary had to choose because there was no promise. The angel didn't say, and by the way, everything will be fine between you and Joseph. He didn't say that. That wasn't part of the message. The message was God is going to use you to bring the Savior into the world. That's the promise. And so she had to choose, do I love the Lord? And say, absolutely. Because her response is, man, let it be how the Lord has said. I am the, your maidservant. Whatever God wants to do. And so it challenged not just how she would love, but would she love God more than even her promised fiancé? It's interesting. Matthew chapter 1. You guys are in your Bibles of Luke. Turn over to Matthew. Okay, chapter 1. You got to find it. Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. I'm going to get there with you. Take me a minute. This gives us the side of Joseph, and we'll get into this here in a second, but what would Joseph think? I mean, really, what would he think? What would you think, guys? What would you think? Yeah, man, that girl's been running around with some other dude. She, right, yeah, she's never known a man because I'm the only man, and we never known each other, but some little brat out there she'd run around with. I ain't going to, no way. Look, check it out. Now, the birth of Jesus was, verse 18, right? You guys are there? Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed, or this insane commitment promised to Joseph before they came together, they hadn't hung out yet, right? She was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make a public example, right? He's a, this is a good guy, he doesn't want to shame her and make fun of her. He doesn't make a public example out of her. Was minded to put her away or get rid of her secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, and for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Verse 24, Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. Not only does it challenge what Mary would think logically, what Mary would love the Lord or her fiance. But now he's got to choose. Look, it's not easy to marry a girl who's already pregnant, especially when it's not your baby. What's mom and dad going to think? What are the neighbors going to think? What's the family going to think? What's the community going to do? 
This is not a popular move for either of them, and yet both of them committed not to some human expectation or standard, but committed to the calling upon their life by God. And so when we meet Jesus, we find out real quick, it's going to challenge your logic and the way that you think about things, and it's going to challenge your love, who you love most, ultimately supposed to be the Lord. For Joseph, not only this stuff, was she cheating on me or not, but responsibility. It will challenge your level of responsibility. Okay, what are you talking about? Joseph, I want you to raise the future savior of all mankind. Like you and I have a hard time taking care of a puppy. You and I have a hard time remembering where the cat went. We can't find our left sock half the time. It's like, hey, Joseph, uh, God's coming in the form of a baby and your job's to raise and take care of. Look, this is nuts. You guys ever get in trouble for something you didn't do? And sometimes, right? Not usually. Let's be honest. Most of the time, it's not that way. But sometimes we can trouble. Do you realize Joseph disciplined Jesus probably for things he didn't do wrong? Imagine dying, being before God, and God's like, remember that time you grounded me for things I didn't do wrong? Like, uh-huh. Sure do. do you, can you believe it? But Jesus was never messed up. He was human, but 100% God, there are responsibilities that fell into Joseph's life that were bigger than himself. And for you and I, we've got to step into this call and realize that God's going to call you to things that are bigger than yourself. It's going to challenge, will you live for yourself or will you live for whatever God's calling you guys to? Um, Look, and this is what I love. Was Mary perfect? Nope. Was Joseph perfect? Nope. Does God work within our imperfections? Always. Always. There's times where Mary would lose her temper. Imagine, you know how your mom and dad might yell at you sometimes? Imagine yelling at God like that. Mary and Joseph probably let Jesus have it once or twice, or he was in the midst of a sibling scuffle. You guys know he had brothers and probably some sisters. I don't know. And so things get kind of heated and crazy, and mom and dad start going at it and yelling and there's God sitting in the living room. It's crazy. Challenges our logic, our love, responsibility. How about our comfort? Changes our comfort. What do you mean? This is an incredibly uncomfortable situation. This is an incredibly difficult scenario. Where do they end up? Where is Jesus born ultimately? The Ritz-Carlton? Down by the beach, listening to the waves and the warm palm trees blowing in the... Where was he born? In a barn, better yet, in a hole in a rock, most likely. Wait, what? Yeah, the, the thing on the manger, that looks so nice and warm. And like, even though the animals are there, they're laying. No, no, no. This was a dirty, stinky, nasty hole in a rock, okay? A big cave where animals would kind of huddle together and do whatever animals do when they're cold and starving. And that's where they would shove them at night. And so, look, there's no room for you, but you guys can hide out in the cave where the animals live. How about that? What? Mary and Joseph were called to go to a place that would make them uncomfortable at times. Matthew chapter 8, okay? Check it out. Then a certain scribe came to Jesus. He said, I'll follow you anywhere. When we come to Jesus, it will challenge your comfort level quick. Then a certain scribe came and said to him, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes. They scurry into their homes. And birds of the air, they have nests. They belong. They got their homes. But the son of man, he says, I have nowhere to lay my head. 
use a rock for a pillow tonight under that tree on the side of the hill. You want to come? Are you sure? Because following Jesus isn't always the most comfortable or convenient thing. Like a boat without a rudder. Can it still float? Of course it can still float. Can it still go places? Sure can, wherever the wind wants to blow it. It has no say anymore. A boat without a rudder, a boat without an anchor is just going to be lost at sea, getting pushed around by the tides and the currents and the wind. It has no say over anything it does or doesn't do. Hebrews chapter 6, though, is awesome because when you look at sometimes you got to go upstream or go against the current or hold fast in the midst of a storm, but this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. That last statement, it just means that you can literally step into the presence of God, that he's always with you all the time. And so for Mary and Joseph, not a whole lot older than you guys, She's dreaming of her wedding day and has to tell her fiance, I love you so much. I love you too, Mary. You're so strong. Oh, well, thank you. And I'm pregnant and it's not yours. Well, think, wait, wait, what? And this wasn't a quick decision. How, imagine how that ended. I need to think about this. And he walks away and he spends time. He's like, okay, here's my plan. How am I going to, there's no way I'm marrying this lady. Unfaithful liar. God did it. Yeah, right. God made a girl pregnant, sure. Oh, wait a minute. He finds out she's not lying. And it wasn't just her step, it was also his step of faith. God was calling them both. Different obstacles, for sure. But same calling. Every one of us will face different obstacles in our life. There's no doubt about it. But the same calling, it's to save focused and centered on Jesus. So, logic, love, responsibility, comfort. Last one for the challenge part. Look, popularity. Like, what? It was not popular what they did. They didn't set out to become famous. In fact, they would have been very unpopular. It wasn't popular to be pregnant before you were married. Get it? <laughs> it was not popular to marry a pregnant lady. It won't always be popular to follow the Lord. It won't. You guys are at a point in your life where things will begin to change, okay? It's going to challenge you. Some of your friends in the next couple of years are going to make some odd, weird decisions in their life. Their logic is going to shift and become much more worldly. It's going to become much more self-centered. It's going to become much more introverted or, or focused on themselves and what they want. Some people are going to become focused much more on the Lord. Others will coast on, and you guys are going to count on it. You can guaranteed fact be challenged in the way that you think, love, and see the rest of your life starting about now. Your friends that maybe seem like they're doing the same things you are, they're going to be challenged too. And as they make their decisions, you'll have to make yours. It'll challenge you. But here's the fun part. If you lose a friend or two along the way, you still have found the father. And who's to say our faith doesn't win our friends over? Okay? So we know this for sure. It challenges us, but it also changes your life. Right? Following Jesus changes your life. Tell somebody in here, following Jesus changes your life. All right, tell them again. Stare them in the face right in the middle of the eyeball and tell them. You got to tell them like you mean it. We're not a bunch of drones. Ah! It's raining water bottles. It challenges your life. Look, 
most people, when they're ready to get married, they're not necessarily counting on being a mom just yet. I mean, you at least get like nine months to figure that kind of thing out. Mary wasn't like, oh, I can't wait to have a baby and be married. I can't wait to face all the opposition. This is all going to be so wonderful. Mary's a mom now, responsible for somebody else. She's never been responsible for somebody else before. Maybe a younger brother or sister at best, but now this tiny little baby, and the baby's laying in a feeding trough that the cows are just sucking down a bunch of hay in? Mary's supposed to keep him healthy and warm and happy? It challenges our life. It challenges life itself. Okay? Meeting Jesus is going to challenge your life itself. John chapter 1, starting in verse 12. We've kind of skipped over it earlier. This has been the theme of the last couple of times together, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. It doesn't only challenge you, it changes you. It just does. It's just the way that it is. Like if you went home today and the neighbor was outside and he's like, if you don't clean your room, you're grounded. You're like, hmm. Like, I mean, I hope you don't do that, but... You're not afraid of the neighbor? Like, what do you mean if I don't clean my room, I'm grounded? No, take out the trash cans. What? Your own dad says it. Slightly different story, right? Or how many of you guys have ever wanted to punch your brother or your sister? You just really wanted to. Now, some of us actually have. I'm not asking that today. How many of you guys have ever wanted to, and the only reason you didn't is because you knew when dad or mom found out, you'd be busted? It was the only thing holding you back. There's times where you want to talk back to your mom, but you knew when dad found out. Look it, that means that you have the fear of mom or the fear of dad, okay? That exact phrase, when you become a child of God, you are introduced to the fear of God. It's a healthy respect for who he is. That when God says, don't touch that, or don't go there, or don't hang out with, or don't listen to, it's not a bad thing. It keeps you from falling off the cliff. It keeps you from doing something horrifically bad. So the fear of God is awesome, but it's introduced when it changes you. It'll change the way that you see him. You'll have a reverence and an amazing fear of God that keeps you from falling off the cliff, in a sense. It also keeps you close to his promises and his provision. Changes our life. Changes what we live for. Changes what we live for. What do you mean? Look, when you're a new creation, you're a new creation. You just are. And so it will shift and not only challenge, but change some of your hopes and dreams and desires to things that you've never thought of, never dreamt of before. And here's the fun part. When it's from God, he promises to fulfill those hopes and dreams and desires. Now, their thoughts were literally no longer on flowers for a wedding or building a house for my wife. It was literally on Jesus. Everything they did, everything they thought, every decision they made was all about Jesus. Colossians chapter 3, it tells us kind of the same thing. We can get so worked up and focused on the temporary things in this world. He says, look, set your mind on things above, not on the earth. Life's made up of a lot of different things, right? Different relationships, friend groups, family situations, good, bad, indifferent. Things you have to do, things you want to do. Can it be a lot sometimes? You ever feel like life just gets kind of heavy, kind of crazy, a little bit full? Yeah. Those are the times you look up. Set your mind on things above, not on things 
of the earth. I knew one guy that literally he always walked around with his head da- like literally down all the time. All the time. You know how boring life can be that way? If you're looking literally down all the time, you know what you get to see? Feet. That's cool. Feet. That's what, those are awesome. The gutter. Trash. Graffiti. Litter. Dog poop. Like, whatever's on the ground, that's kind of all you get to see. Oh, but when your eyes are up, it's the clouds that bring the rain, it's the birds that are flying over your head, it's the brilliance of the sunrise or the sunset. I mean, you get to see amazing things when your eyes are up, don't you? Well, it says, man, if all you do is listen to the bad news of the world, All you do is listen to the what-ifs and the problems about everything in life. You're going to become discouraged and you'll become a discourager. But when your eyes are up and you see the king sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, as the Bible says, there will be hope and joy and expectation and encouragement. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it tells us, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. See, if you worry first about God, you won't have to worry at all about the things in this world. The last two things we find out challenges our life, okay? One, becoming a leader. What do you mean? The way that we lead changes. In fact, it gets a little bit more tricky and challenging for sure, but it changes the way that we lead. Matthew chapter two, it tells us a story. After Jesus was born, do you guys know where they moved to? Egypt, yeah. Total. Why? Uh, Crazy Herod wanted baby Jesus dead. He wanted it so badly, he said, kill every baby boy in the entire city that's two years old or younger. And so they go house to house and execute every male child two years old or younger. And so Joseph has the responsibility of taking the family out of the city. That's a big responsibility. And they end up in Egypt. A place. Man, I don't live, belong in Egypt. I was going to go build a house and start my carpentry shop and live a life with my bride. Now we had a baby born in a cave and he's laying in a manger and he's growing up and now Herod's trying to kill everybody and now I've got to figure out what to do. And God gives him one word, flee, go to Egypt. So he does and he takes off and he goes to Egypt. But look, the real call to lead isn't just a popularity competition or being the captain of a team or what you're good at. It's a commitment level to Christ. First Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 10 through 11, it says, we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more, that you also aspire to lead. It means take control of what you're doing. Lead a quiet life. Mind your own business. Work with your own hands. Don't be lazy as we commanded you that you may walk properly towards those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. Lead. Last one, your location. What are you talking about? I live in Chino Hills or Chino or wherever you're from. My location is not changing. Oh, no, 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 no. The moment you meet Jesus, it'll challenge you, but it changes your location big time. You no longer belong here. What do you mean? I was born here in my city. Mm Mm-mm. Not no more. This is a world city. This is Satan's playground. What? The Bible says the earth, the world's been given over to his control and influence for now. Oh, the Lord will step in, trust me, and blow all that out of the water. But for now, this is no longer home. 
This is just a place we temporarily reside. Hebrews chapter 11, it says, these all died in faith. They go through the amazing Old Testament prophets, people who are committed, goes through New Testament people who are sawn in two and who are murdered and martyred for their faith. It says these people died not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, they were assured they knew Jesus was coming soon. They embraced them and confessed them that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They were in a place that wasn't theirs. Which city? All of them. The earth wasn't what they were living for anymore. This wasn't what they got. What'd they get? 1 Peter 2.11 says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners. It means people living in a place that you don't belong in. Pilgrims, some you've traveled. You have somewhere else that you call home. Abstain from fleshly lust. It's war against the soul. Like, what are you doing? Like, have you visited some crazy little island out in the middle of the ocean somewhere and found out there were cannibals and they were killing people and eating them? And like, would you be like, oh, this is what you do here. Like, get me out of here. I'm gone. Or if I choose to stay, I'm certainly not going to become like one of them. Because we're not from, this is not our home. We don't indulge in sin and temptation the way the, but the rest of the world does it. And they seem happy, oh, for a little while. But in the end comes death. Says, look, you don't belong. This is not home. Last verse. For our citizenship is in heaven, Philippians 3.20 says, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So look, Mary and Joseph, there's a kind of a quick rundown of the story, but challenges them. The way they think and their logic challenges the way that they love and who they love most is going to be Jesus or people changes things. It changes their life. It changes the way they lead. It changes their popularity. It changes everything. It changes even their location. And for you and I, think through these things. When we meet Jesus, things are challenged. Things are changed. But what we look at stays the same. Through the entire story, the rest of the Bible is only about Jesus. And the rest of our life, whatever we do, is to be focused on him and him alone. The power of God will shake things up and set you apart, period, right? So let's pray, and then we'll talk about uh, shaking things up and setting things apart here in just a minute. Father, we thank you, God, for your word. I thank you that anyone in the Bible that met you was not left the same. Some, Lord, that it's like their heart melted, and they were just found so in love and desiring to be with you. Others, Lord, hardened and walked away sad, but certainly didn't stay the same. And so God, we ask that you would just increase, that you would challenge us, that you would transform, change, sanctify, the Bible says, our lives, continue that work in us of refinement. And God, we pray today as we sit and talk about what we'll do this week, Lord, again, we ask that you'd increase our faith. In Jesus' name. Amen.